Good morning from WKYT News. I'm Bill Bryant, and we welcome you to Kentucky Newsmakers. Kentucky's Education Commissioner, Dr. Wayne Lewis, is here. It is a busy time in Frankfurt with the state legislature, considering lots of bills that could affect our schools. A school safety bill is the legislature's highest priority this session. There are calls for lots of requirements. Some are asking how schools will pay for the new requirements. Commissioner Lewis has been laser-focused on equity in our schools. What socioeconomic factors cause some students to do so much better than others on required testing? He visits schools often. He urges students to pick a career area as early as they can. Education Commissioner Dr. Wayne Lewis is joining us today. and We thank you very much for coming in. Thank Appreciate you so very much, much for having me. I guess when the legislature's in town, it's like you have to watch uh, supportively about some things and warily about others. That right? is accurate. Right. So we'll talk about uh, some of what is up for discussion. But school safety uh, apparently is uh, the highest priority of the legislature. It is Senate Bill 1. Uh, we're just over a year removed from the awful Marshall County uh, school shooting, and shortly after that was the massacre at uh, Florida High School. As Kentucky lawmakers move forward, do you like the approach you're seeing? I do like the approach I'm seeing. I think it, it took a tremendous amount of leadership in the, the time between last session and this session. Um, on the part of House and Senate leadership and those education committees to bring folks together on a, on a bipartisan basis um, to work with stakeholders across the state. And I think what they've come up with is a pretty comprehensive approach to how we should be looking at school safety. Um, so it, it doesn't just include hardening the target physical security, but also um, takes a really hard look at, at the way we provide for the social and emotional support and health of our kids, because that's a critical aspect of school safety as well. Is there a one a part that is more important than others? Uh, I don't. Really? I don't. I, I don't think. I, I, I think of um, attending to kids' social and emotional health, ensuring that kids have loving and caring adults who they trust that they can confide in, share information with. I equate that um, at the same level as I do with um, physical security, making sure doors are locked. Um, ensuring that there are school resource officers where appropriate. I think all of those things work together to create a safer environment for our kids. We're in that non-budget year, so while there is all this discussion and, of course, uh, an interest in getting something done and getting some laws on the books and some uh, suggestions for schools on the books, uh, there is at this point really not a lot of money to fund those. So a lot of the school districts are concerned that they're they already uh, in a tough budgetary situation and they may be hit with uh, new requirements uh, under the school safety law. Yeah, yeah th those are um, legitimate concerns. Um, the requirements of Senate Bill 1 uh, financially will be significant. Um, there'll be costs to the state. I think there'll probably be even greater costs to school districts. Um, there'll be costs to uh, get buildings up to um, the place where they can uh, meet the, the physical security requirements. There'll be costs for school resource officers. There will be costs to reduce the ratio of um, current ratio of kids to um, uh, mental health professionals, kids to school counselors. Uh, there's no doubt that in order to successfully implement what the General Assembly is proposing, um, it will take a, a pretty significant financial commitment on the part of the state. 
um, including state government and local school districts. So you see the money maybe coming next year, I would take it. Or do you think it, they find some way to, uh, to get into the, uh, appropriating the money in this uh, along with the bill? You know, that, that I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it comes this year or next year, but I, I do hear recognition on the part of the General Assembly that it is absolutely going to take a financial commitment um, in order to, to make this work. Commissioner, we are uh, also seeing a very disturbing uptick in uh, suicides involving kids. Uh, we're seeing even the ages 10, 11, 12, certainly teenagers. Uh, this is also being seen, uh, by the way, in colleges. I mean, it is really an issue that is attention getting right now. Uh, is that part of this whole uh, holistic approach to uh, trying to, uh, to communicate with kids? You're absolutely right. So these, these conversations are not separate conversations. When we are really doing our jobs and attending to the social and emotional health and well-being of our kids, we're watching for signs that kids might want to, to hurt um, or, or uh, their classmates, um, their, their teachers, but we're also, we also should be paying attention to signs uh, that would lead us to believe that kids might want to hurt themselves. We should be paying attention to bullying, um, whether it's bullying um, happening in the classroom, on the schoolyard, um, through social media. You know, one of the, the big differences between um, when I was in school and previous generations versus what kids are facing today is if you were bullied at school, at least you got a respite from it and you could go home and, and stay inside. I mean, kids today, so sometimes with social media, they never escape um, what they're dealing with at school, with bullying through social media. Um, so we, we have to, as we think about school safety and kids' safety, um, think about kids not just who might be likely to, to, to hurt other people, but who m might be interested in, in potentially hurting themselves. Social media monitoring uh, is another uh, potential element of the, what could be the final version of this uh, Senate Bill 1. Uh, is that something you're supportive of as well? You know, that's an area I, I really have to, I have to take a, a closer look at. Um, when we think about watching our kids, monitoring our kids, making sure they're safe, I, I firmly believe it is it's joint responsibility on the part of schools and parents. Right, so I, I don't think we ever want to get to the place where we would suggest or expect that school or teachers take the place of parents. Parents have, have I, I believe, the first responsibility. And so I, I need to take a look at it a little bit closer to better understand it. Um, one, because I, I don't know how much is appropriate for schools. I don't know how much is realistic to expect that schools could do. But also I think we have to respect um, parents and, and the rights and responsibilities of parents. Commissioner, what would you say to parents who are watching this morning who, uh, are, who are very concerned about these things, about school security, about uh, the, the well-being of their, their own children? Uh, is there something that you would encourage uh, uh, parents to do uh, right now uh, that, uh, that maybe we're falling short on? You know, I, I would encourage parents to continue to be vigilant. Um, and I say that as a parent, right, to continue to, to watch our kids, to monitor our kids, um, to not um, have, have as our default stance that things are probably going, uh, going okay uh, with our kids. I mean, I, I think there's no substitute to really talking and hearing 
what they have to say to us because most of the times in, in the, the incidents that are avoided, um, the catastrophes that are avoided across our state, it's because kids shared information with adults who they care um, about and adults who they trust. And so um, building trusting relationships with kids, whether it's parent to kid, um, adult to kid, teacher to kid, bus driver to kid, um, is really something all of us really need to be focused L listen on. Listen and respond the best you can. Absolutely. Commissioner, you have been uh, laser focused on equity and you have traveled the state and you, you see the differences in uh, socioeconomic conditions uh, throughout uh, the regions. Uh, I know that there is uh, one house bill that you're watching uh, with a little bit of concern uh, on as it regards that right now. Uh, how, again, how should uh, the, the, the education system be better trying to equalize those uh, opportunities out there for all? You know, e equity is a, a huge issue for us. Um, I think we all understand that kids come to school uh, with differences in home situations, they come from different socioeconomic backgrounds, different resources, and all of those things factor into kids' success in school. There's absolutely no denying it. It is also true that regardless of what kids show up to school with, as educators, we have the, the, the responsibility and I believe the privilege of serving those kids to the absolute best of our abilities. One of the things we know from research is that even with the differences that kids come to school with us, come to school with, economic, socioeconomic, uh, that effective instruction, uh, instruction where kids are exposed to content at grade level, standards aligned instruction, changes in, in our behavior as educators can have impact on both learning outcomes and behavior outcomes. And so the conversation that I'm trying to push across the state is that we do not discount the fact that kids come to us with differences, but also that we don't shortchange the impact that we can have on the academic and behavioral outcomes of kids as educators. Because depending on kids' backgrounds, sometimes school becomes their last best hope um, at achieving the things that we want for our kids to achieve. And don't limit the potential when you look out there at that classroom as to who may be out there. Absolutely yeah. right. All right, we are with uh, Commissioner Wayne Lewis, the Kentucky Education Commissioner. More questions for him when we come back on Kentucky Newsmakers. Welcome back to Kentucky Newsmakers from WKYT. Our privilege this morning to be visiting with Education Commissioner Dr. Wayne Lewis, who runs our public schools across Kentucky. Uh, bills that you're watching uh, very closely in Frankfort right now. We've talked about the school security uh, and equity uh, bill that is out there. What are some other things that you're really keeping an eye on? Yeah, so we're really interested in um, the bill that would uh, make some changes to school-based decision-making councils. Um, I'm a big proponent of school-based decision-making councils. I think they were um, one of the great additions to what we do in Kentucky public education came in the, that CARA um, era during the early 1990s. Um, and it involves teachers and parents in school decision-making in a way um, that I think is really significant, probably more so than any other state. One of the changes I'd like to see is to equalize 
the number of parents to students. Right now, by statute, um, the ratio requires that there be one more teacher than the number of parents. I'd like to see an equal number of parents to teachers. I think parents have a lot to contribute to the conversation, and I think it'd say a lot to parents to say that we'd like to give you equal voice to teachers on these councils. The other part um, is I would like to see um, the authority to hire school principals return to superintendents. We're the only state in the country uh, where school superintendents are not permitted to hire their school leaders. We hold local boards and school, school district superintendents um, to higher degrees of accountability, um, higher expectations for, for the performance of kids in their schools. It would only follow that because these folks are held accountable that they are given greater autonomy in being able to make um, decisions about who these senior level school leaders are. That's a really important piece for us. Um, in the area of school tribunals, um, where superintendents make decisions um, on um, terminating employees. Um, and, and these are cases not around instructional effectiveness. These are cases where, um, where um, the well-being of kids is yeah, put in jeopardy. A, a personnel issue. Really, that's really, yeah. really serious personnel issues. We'd like to see reform um, there. There's a bill in the Senate that would make that a fairer process because what's happening now is overwhelmingly, the, when, when superintendents across the state make these types of personnel decisions to terminate personnel, the tribunals are overturning them. Now, I'm not saying that you have to end up in a case where it's 50-50, where the district wins half of them and the, the employee wins half of them. But when you end up in, in, in the, the range of 70 to 75 percent of these being overturned, um, something's not right. You have uh, spoken many times about work readiness, about uh, trying to get uh, students focused uh, as early as they can mm -hmm. on uh, where at least an area of interest, where they're going uh, with their careers. That's right. Uh, are you beginning to see some uh, effectiveness with that, with that I push? Am. I am. You know, as, as I go across the state, I'm seeing more school districts um, and regions um, that are starting to talk to kids earlier and earlier about possibilities you know and this is not about tracking kids the last thing we would ever want to do is take a kid whether in middle school or high school and put them on a track and say this is what you're gonna gonna do this is what you're gonna be but we want to, to kids to start thinking very intentionally about what possibilities could be and make some decisions in their high school coursework that prepare them for what those those things could look like so some of the most promising practices I've seen is school districts taking eighth graders, um, taking them to career and technical high schools, um, exposing them to possibilities around careers, um, talking to high school students about what their coursework looks like, talking to professionals, just kind of getting a, a sampling of what careers could look like. And then when they get into high school, they're ready to choose elective courses that align with um, some of those interests, that allow them to see whether or not this is something they really want to explore. For me, that's not the, I didn't get to do that type of sampling on courses until I got to college. Right, and so that's giving them an opportunity to uh, pick a direction as well as maybe save on the cost of higher education because Absolutely. you don't spend that time, as you say, Absolutely. sampling and figuring out uh, what you want to do. All right, we've had, uh, you know, usually uh, snow, uh, some tough uh, winter weather, the flu, uh, flooding, other issues are going around, causing some uh, school districts to uh, to lose days this year. Many schools have these uh, these non 
uh, traditional instructional days, these That's NTI right. days. Um, is that working? Uh, are you supportive of those? I am supportive of NTI days. You know, it's something that, that's been in place in Kentucky for uh, for a few years now, there was legislation last session that directed the State Board of Education for the first time to um, develop a regulation that gave more structure to the program, set clearer expectations for districts in terms of what um, those NTA, NTI days would look like. Um, and I feel good about that regulation. I think districts have a clearer understanding of what those expectations are. And it's that um, kids aren't just sitting home doing busy work, but that it's, it's, an, it's a learning day. Um, if, if, if a district is going to use that as a day that they don't have to make up, we want to make sure that actual instruction is happening. Commissioner, thanks for coming. Appreciate Thank you for it very having much. Me. And that is Kentucky Newsmakers from WKYT. We'll see you bright and early this week, starting with WKYT this morning. Make it a good week ahead.